0: so therapeutic for kids to just feel heard, to watch their children look into their eyes, take notes, ask questions. Even if no solutions are in place, kids behave better when they feel understood. If if that kid is throwing a tantrum saying, I don't want to go on the Zoom call, it's stupid, it's boring, I don't understand it, whatever, they might be a little bit more patient with the process if they feel like mom and dad really get that this is hard.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, the podcast that's designed to break the stigma around mental health and to create some hope and inspiration and give some practical tips to those that are struggling with mental health, whether it's from personal stories to break the stigma or some advice from professionals in the mental health community. Whether you are struggling with mental health on your own or you know a loved one that is struggling, we are here to support you and to create a community so you you know you are not alone the road to recovery can be difficult and challenging at hope to recharge we believe that in mental health together is always better i'm your host matana thank you for joining me here today Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Are you looking for online therapy? Are you stuck at home like everyone else? High stress, high anxiety, worried about the future, trying to navigate everything, have a lot of worries, have a lot of emotional roller coaster rides up and down, just like me. BetterHelp.com is one phone call away, one Zoom call away, one text away. It's an online platform for therapy. It's so perfect for now, for coronavirus, for what people are going through now. We can reach out and get the perfect therapist that meets our needs. Don't wait. Check them out. See if you can find somebody. Don't struggle. They're so affordable. They are so affordable. You're sitting at home. Every therapist is working online now. Reach out and get help you need. If you are struggling, don't struggle in silence. I am so grateful that they are giving us 10% off the first month so you can get affordable access to therapy. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge, start your wellness, get help, get support you need. Hello, everybody. And thank you for joining me here today. We're having a little bit of a uh, detour off of our usual plan in um, podcasting. And we decided to do a special edition of um, homeschooling, not homeschooling crisis during Corona, because a lot of people are struggling. And when I say a lot, I'm saying myself, in particular. And I said, I want to really deep dive into what is going wrong and how it went wrong and what can I do in order to stay focused and um, on my path of being uh, mentally healthy during this crisis. And at the same time, that my kids should be healthy and educated as, as much as possible and come out of this crisis in a healthy mindset and also educated in a way. And I reached out to my good friend, Alicia Vallis, that is a educator, a therapist, um, a homeschooler, and a lovely person that speaks out loud about her passions in life. And one of her passions are education and how, how we have so many things that are going wrong nowadays in general in education. And now in particular, there's a lot that is so new To everyone, and by accident, it's coming up really hard for us to deal with. And I reached out to Elisheva and I said, Elisheva, please, can you give me an hour of your very precious time to educate me and educate so many people that are literally falling apart under this crisis of home non-schooling, but um, educating at home during this coronavirus. So thank you for joining me here, Elisheva. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to
0: talk to you, Matana. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Before Before I go into my venting, I told Elisheva that I'm going to start with my venting about what I'm going through, which by the way, I posted on a group yesterday of like 23,000 people about homeschooling. And I said, I want to know if am I alone here? I'm working at home. My husband's working at home. My kids are at home. We're trying to stay calm and go from room to room to room, give my kids privacy that they can, they can join their home uh zoom classes and stay calm at the same time and most of the people said stay calm question mark stay calm calm." like that's like really and i so i felt so validated that i was not alone There was not one person out of a lot of answers maybe over 100 or 200 people that answered and said not one was we're we're dealing with this it's okay so i really felt validated okay it's not only me I thought it was only me because I'm very low tech and I was freaking out. How am I gonna do this? How are my kids are privacy. I'm very into privacy and giving them place to focus, myself place to focus. And I was I was feeling really good about it. But before I go into my venting about what was not working, I want you to give my audience a little bit of a background about um, where that you were a teacher, how many years you were a teacher, an educator, and then your kids in the traditional school system, and what made you leave the school system to decide, you know what, we're going homeschooling the real way, not the way we are doing now during crisis. She- Eliseva homeschools her children the real way through the real system. And I want you to give them a little bit of a background why you decided to do that.
0: Sure. It's always tricky to summarize that because it was like a years long process, but I'm going to try my best to keep it brief. So I was a classroom teacher in the, at the high school and college level. I was doing mostly adult education for uh, about 10 years. And I loved education. I've always been passionate about learning. I enjoy it very much. But the thing that I loved most about educating people was really the relationships, the getting to know people, the helping navigate and, and counsel and um, translate knowledge into wisdom, you know, translate information into applicability for people to really improve their lives. And finally, one time I was talking to my husband about it and he was just, I was telling him I spent so much time outside the classroom talking to students, talking to families, brainstorming with people about real life issues and i love doing that he's like you should just do that as a therapist and it's something that had been on my mind and that's where i segued my career into doing psychotherapy rather than classroom teaching um so i, I still sort besides for the fact that i'm still educating my own children so i'm still a teacher but I, I kind of have a a pedagogic approach to doing psychotherapy i kind of view it in a way as like helping people learn better ways to navigate their life situations. so in terms of my own children they did in fact like you said start out in, in regular in our neighborhood in our community we do private schools um, yeshivas uh, religious schools. And, um, we, we sampled a few different schools because I'm sort of an educational idealist. I don't want to say perfectionist, but, um, I have like a high standard of what we, we, my husband and I and my family, um, and I come from a family of educators who value, um, value good education. And we were sort of like shopping for, for uh, the best possible package that we could find for our children academically, socially, psychologically, emotionally, like, you know, just like a really good package. And when I would speak to my friends, you know, who are also moms and some of them were teachers, and I would say, like, these are my concerns and these are the problems that I have, and these are what I wish I could see differently in the schools, they would say things like, well, you think you could do better? And I would think to myself, yeah, I, I do. I, I think I could do better, <laughs> you know. And at a certain point, I said, you know, let's discuss it with my husband. We did a lot of research. It's, just, you know, again summing up years worth of of you know thinking and researching and praying and trying to figure this out. And we had a stint with one of our children that needed to be homeschooled for her own personal reasons for a little bit of time. Uh, so we got a taste of it. And then there was one summer that our children, usually in our neighborhood, kids go to some sort of day camp program when they're little in the summer. They didn't want to go to camp, and I said, no problem. Camps not mandatory, and. We created a, a sort of micro camp summer program in our home, like home camping, I guess. And it was such a wonderful summer. We ended up traveling a little bit and it was just so delightful. They swam and they played ball and we did learning and we sang and we went on outings. And it was just sort of like a, a taste, a microcosm of what homeschooling could and would turn out to be for us. And I know I'm painting a really beautiful picture and it, it is a really beautiful picture. It's not perfect. You know, we have we have difficult days just like everybody has difficult days, um, but I don't think I've ever had had a day or even an hour where I thought to myself, oh, this was the wrong choice. Or I I wish Mm -hmm. I could go back to sending them to school. There'd been like no regrets. And I think if you were to ask my children, they would feel the same way. You know, it's not perfect. We had to um, self-correct and recalculate and troubleshoot different, you know, pieces and variables along the way. But for our family, I'm not saying for everyone, for our family, it has been like a no brainer. The only regret is why did we not do this sooner? So um, thank God that's been fantastic for us.
1: Wow. So I didn't know that there was a regret about it. And I think that a Measure of that—that's not one day that you say, "Did I make a mistake?" That is a huge indication that you did the right thing. Now, as you said, it's not for everyone. How, I had many conversations with Belly Should I homeschool? Should I should I quit the school system? I had I have so. Many hiccups and frustrations with the school system, but it's not their fault. It's just that I just feel sometimes that I don't fit. My maybe um, outlooks on life don't fit. But there's no one size fits all, and I I know that after many conversations with Elie for for our family, it was. And for my children, it sh- I shouldn't say even my family because it was really on a children base. I, I remember saying like the social part, my kids are so social. The negative, like the negative points in school don't just justify, maybe the just is the why justify me homeschooling them that they will lose their social environment, which is so important to them. My question to you is, can you say, can you give us like two or three major points that you saw that you said, I'm not willing to continue in the school system because it's so important to you that you're, you're willing to sacrifice whatever it was working for what was not working. It's a good question. It's a
0: really good question. I think it would be hard for me to answer that question because I don't really look at it that way. I don't look at it so much as we were running away from intolerable problems as much as, you know, sometimes that's what people need to do. You know, a child is really suffering and struggling and just not okay in a particular school or in schools in general. Um, because of that child's own needs, and then the parent can point and say, "These are the problems that forced us to withdraw our child from school." For us, it was more of a family analysis process journey. You know, cost benefit. Uh, you know, l- looking at different things, and it was a decision that we made with each child. So mm. it wasn't like, "Oh, okay, we hate factor A about school, and therefore we're going to run away from it." It's more mm-hmm. sort of like looking at the big picture. I don't think we sacrificed a whole lot. You know, um, that we we didn't kind of pull everybody out all at once. One thing I, I always reinforce to people when I talk about about homeschooling. We, we started out in the regular schools. And once your kid is in a regular school, I don't think, barring uh, you know some exceptional circumstances, I don't think it's ever in a child's best interest or rarely in a child's best interest to say, we're forcing you out of school. You have to come homeschool now. I think it has to be a collaborative decision because if you force a child to homeschool who will, prefers to be in school, it's not gonna, it's it, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really tough on the kid. It's gonna be tough on the parent-child relationship. Um, you know, it, it has to be something that either a child wants to do or that was started from the beginning or that there's no alternative. Like meaning if the schools say we can't serve your child, you know, then then you have to do it because there's no alternative. But um, in our case, it was more, you know, some of my kids um, really didn't like school. They didn't like being there, which is interesting because they were academically fine. It wasn't like they had, you know, they didn't have learning disabilities. It wasn't that they couldn't perform in school. Um, and, and thank God they didn't have social issues either. They had friends, um, but they just didn't like the the framework and the structure and the rules of, of, of the school Lifestyle, And what was very interesting was, you know, a lot of times kids don't want to do what they have to do. They might not be in the mood to take a shower. They may not be in the mood to uh, eat dinner or whatever. You know, there's a lot of things that kids just have to do to like to be a decent human being. But the things that they didn't, and you know, tough luck, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. but the things that they didn't like about school were the things that I also didn't like about school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so as we were having these conversations and the particular schools that some of my kids had been in, some, like every family, I think we had some educators that we worked with that were, you know, magnificent at what they do, you know, caring and... And really their hearts in the right places and gave a lot of time and focus and talent. But also we had some experiences that were incredibly frustrating and tone deaf and damaging. I would, you know, don't think that's an exaggeration to say in terms of the mm-hmm. way some of these um, you know, educators, I wouldn't even necessarily call them all educators. They certainly weren't all qualified to be educators, um, engaged with children and families. And so that mm-hmm. was also something that becomes very frustrating if it, if it happens repeatedly. But I, again, that wasn't really ultimately what, what drove this. It was just you know speaking to people and saying, Well, you know, I I wish they could do this more or I wish they didn't have to do that. And people would say like, well, you know, well, that's just how it is. I'll give you a silly example. This is not an important example, but it's a classic example of systemic education versus customized education. So um, kids will very often get in trouble for coming late to school, right? Mm -hmm. The vast majority of the time, at least in my schools, in our our community, it's not up to the child what time they get to school. They're in a carpool. There's an adult driving the carpool, right? If the adult's running late, then the kid's running late. It's not, the kid could be up and ready and dressed and with a coat on, but the kid will get shamed and humiliated and penalized for somebody else's parents not getting their act together on time, right? Or a school bus not coming on time. And so then you call the school and you say, hey, listen, you know, my kid got in trouble and ended up missing a whole first period because they were busy getting in trouble, for the 10 minutes that they were running late. That wasn't their fault in the first place. And, and I'm not saying all schools do this, but it's happened to us with more than one. And they would be like, well, listen, you know, they have to be in school on time. Like, right. Okay. Collaborate with me. Do you want to provide busing? Like, you know, like, right. <laughs> out. I got to work so I can make money to pay your tuition. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So I'm not, service. I'm not a service. Like, like, right. and, and so there was like a certain lack of collaboration. Now, again, d- do they mean to be unreasonable and, and frustrating? No, of course not. They also have work to do and they also have things that they can't be bothered with and busy with but that's the point that's the point when you're mass producing when you're factory you know manufacturing you know like assembly mm-hmm. line dials, children mm-hmm. you don't you don't have the luxury to attend to these little details but you mm-hmm. know a kid especially a sensitive kid who wants to please who wants to do well is showing up to school late through no fault or his or her own mm-hmm. and then starting the day on the wrong foot feeling shamed humiliated and blamed for something Oof. that's entirely not their fault and that happens Every day, you know, all the time, all the, all the time. time, and things like that happen all the time. Again, like so, take a seven-year-old kid who didn't complete their homework. I promise you, the vast majority of seven-year-olds are not in charge of completing their homework, right? If a kid didn't do their homework at the age of seven, it's because mom and dad were too busy to make sure that the kid got their homework done, right? Or they didn't do
1: Or they didn't care, like me. Sometimes. Right, (laughs) right, for
0: whatever reason. Whatever reason, mom and Dad didn't get it done. Right, right. But (laughs) we're shaming little seven year olds, right, for some, for for not having parents that felt that, for whatever reason, that we're forced homework getting done. Right. 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 Right, right, right. So, and their, and their buddy, is getting celebrated for having parents that were going to make sure, you know, and so the kind of, uh, the kind of emotional feedback that children get at school. And that's just one little example of things that happen in school. And that we didn't even touch bullying. We didn't even touch uh, differentiated learning. We didn't even Uh. touch the lack of physical movements and creativity and the uh. arts that, you know. There's so many yes. things that are missing from the school systems. I don't think anybody would disagree that the the general school system, public and private, is more broken than <laughs> than right. wonderful, right? Right, right. <laughs> and right, I, and again, I, I don't want to take away, like you said, you exactly. This right. I don't right, want right. to take away from it's, the empathy. It's not bashing. Right. It's
1: right. not bashing them. Every single thing that you said, I related to. Every yeah. single thing. And as you were yeah. talking, I had my list got longer and longer because we put we 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 suppress things that we don't we don't really have ways to deal with. And We just I give in to them, and I'm in the school system now, and I and I am so beyond grateful to so many of my kids' mentors and educators that are their mentors for life, and if they and one of my reasons of not homeschooling is because. I I have so much gratitude to their mentors and their leaderships that they found that were working, but there were some that were not working, and that that we need to put kids into therapy and deal with it, and 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 it's such a fine balance. But I, I you're right, we are not bashing. It's it's and it's not. There's no one person to fault. It's just a systematic flaw that's not working out a hundred percent. And I just wanted to give the audience a picture of why you decided that this is great for your family. And I think your family is a perfect example who it fits because you're all extremely bright and you love knowledge. You're not looking to cut class. You're not the type of family or kids or, or parents that are looking to Get a freebie. Far from that, you're very educated. Your kids are super successful and bright and remarkable humans. Really remarkable. And thank you. And and in a way, you're lucky because it really works for you. And you're very patient. And you're and and it really works for you. So you're lucky in a way. And you're also very driven to do the right thing. You're like, I'll go through some. Like I remember when you decided to do it, and you. A lot of people were like, Really, you're going to do that? You're going to do that? And and there was a lot of Peer pressure from good friends what is that normal is that uh, you're crazy I remember this so clearly and I was so inspired and proud of your core belief that I'm doing the right thing and I'm not gonna let the background noise of people that I'm close to that are doubting myself and doubting what I'm doing for my children so i I admire that and you and that's why i I reached out to you I know a lot of people that are homeschooling um parents and but I felt like you do it from such a sincere educated point of view not out of um running away as you said it so nicely i wasn't running away i was creating a better environment for my family so now that my audience understands that this where where you're coming from and and how much background uh research you did before you went into the homeschooling um i think um, the audience will really appreciate every word that comes out of your mouth now because they know that you try to both and you and besides the fact that you're an educator and a therapist, so you have all the aspects, a mom, an educator, a therapist, and a homeschool, a homeschool bird, and a, someone that loves education. I think if I think of Alishva and and her joy in life is sitting by the beach with a book. <laughs> That's exactly, right? <laughs> the beach in <laughs> a book. Exactly. A beach in a book. Like, give me the beautiful scenery, but I'm not going to just sit there. I'm going to educate myself. Give me some knowledge. Learning There's in nature. Always, yeah. always learning. So, um, so, now that we know a little bit about you, I want to go into uh, what's going on inside my life that people will relate to. I'm sure people will relate to. So, before Corona, we had our schedules very planned out mommy and daddy work or don't work depends on the day kids go to school there's the carpool list the carpools and the carpools and the buses and the schedules and the shopping time and everything was in a in a cube of a time then corona comes around and we have to adjust ourselves to um first of all the kids are home okay fine the kids are home we're all at home fine the first thing was let's stay physically safe and mentally safe, physically and mentally. Now, there is so much going on around with fear, fear, that the news doesn't stop coming. How many people died in our community? How many people are already hospitalized? Pray for this one. The lists, the different groups that we're starting on WhatsApp and Facebook. And and, and then school chat starts coming along. Okay, what's with school? What's going to be? What's the teacher saying? What's the principal saying? The unknown. We get through the holidays, and then they they tell us that we're going to start educating our children through online education. Let's give a little bit of a background. Our schools are very into no technology in the house. There is no technology in the house for children. So I have a computer. My husband has a computer for work. Only my oldest son has a phone. The rest of the children, four others, do not have a phone. Do not have a device. Do not do not even real. My kids don't know how to use a computer. My wow. kids are not allowed to touch our computer. If they need something, we go with them. It's not like they know how to navigate through through technology. Um, My baby has a tablet that only has specific videos on it. Like he's not a kid that can sit in front of a video for a long time. My kids love the outdoors. They love interaction. They love people. They love doing. And then we're told, make sure you have enough devices for everyone. If not, we'll provide devices and we'll send them to you. And you're gonna to have to learn with us how to use the devices. Make sure these are the times, these are the thousand emails that we're gonna send you for each kid. I don't even know the emails, who the teachers are, because each email is from a different name that That's i don't streamlined. Have, yes. I don't even know, I don't recognize. I'm like, whose teacher is this? What, like, what? Uh, I'm trying to figure out from, from the material who it's for, besides the fact that sometimes I don't go through all the emails. Thank God my daughter, Javi, was helping me because she's. Super sweet and kind and loving. And she saw how overwhelmed I was. I said, Javi, please go for the emails. Separate it by child, by what they need. Print it out. Talk about 500 sheets of paper that I had to run out to buy during crisis mode to print out all this stuff. I really was, I, I felt like the walls were closing in on me and i'm like how am i going to do this every kid needs their own room every kid needs their quiet every kid is on and off on a different hour and in the meantime i needed to clear my calendar for a month i needed to cancel appointments cancel meetings cancel stuff and and readjust my calendar to adjust it to be able to be my my child educator to be on top of what they are learning besides the fact that some of my kids were hating the online, online Zoom calls because it was so noisy. Now, I'm not here to blame anyone. I don't think there's anyone to really blame They're doing them. what they can. They're trying. They're trying to help you. Yeah. Right. Did right. you see the blog post that
0: I wrote about a sample letter for parents to send to their kids' schools?
1: Have you sent that before Passover,
0: right? I think so. I yes. have it up on my yes. screen. Should I like summarize yes. it? Yeah, Do yes. you want, do you want okay. to read it out? Yeah, I can just read it out even. Yeah, um, read it out yeah, so this is this is the blog post that I keep hearing from from colleagues and friends and and readers and uh, clients that are parents and also from teachers that people are struggling with this current schooling situation um with the new obligation to not only have your kids around all the time, um, and, and enforce all the new strict health and distancing measures dealing with all the anxiety that that involves and, and juggling parent working schedules, et cetera, but also comply with the school's attempts to translate classroom learning into distance learning. And it's really not going well. So we're a homeschooling family. hasn't really affected our learning routine because we're used to doing the homeschooling. But but what I had worked on with some of my clients and friends is this: the following like letter to be adapted like as uh, appropriately. Dear school administrators, thank you so much for everything that you do for our children and the community. Thank you specifically for trying to preserve a modified daily learning program for our children. We understand that this crisis has caught everyone relatively off guard with schools as much as parents. Your dedication to to our education is beautiful. We as parents and or teachers, because this is for teachers to say also, are also scrambling to regroup around this new abnormal normal. Our children are scared and confused and sometimes we are too. We hear alarming, conflicting news and get calls to pray for the sick constantly. Some of us are trying to work, losing money, worrying about jobs and businesses. We are trying to prepare for the, this is before the holiday, um, while enforcing social distancing and hand-washing and errands. None of us knows exactly how long this will last, the situation or our physical and mental health. Everything feels shaky and unstable right now, but we are trying to muster faith and, and be strong for our kids and capable. We are praying, we are trying to stay as calm and focused as we can while, while trying to take care of our family's basic physical and emotional needs. We appreciate, in theory, the fact that you, the ch- the teachers, are sending us Zoom calls, conference calls, assignments, emails, we surely don't have the experience or the immediate material to, cur- to create curricula from scratch ourselves. Yet trying to get each child to sit nicely in a quiet enough spot, find enough phones or devices for them to all participate at very specific times, and then insisting that they follow up with assignments is proving to be very stressful for parents and kids alike. In some cases, this is unrealistic or even impossible. Right now, our priorities, our priorities are matters like medical and mental health. And while education is generally a premium value for us, we feel that currently we need to focus on educating the kids to just manage this new situation mm-hmm. with resilience rather than keeping up with specific academics. Ultimately, we are trying to raise children who will be able to navigate life situations with integrity, maturity, and grace. For many of us, that itself needs to be the full-time endeavor right now. So we are requesting that you reassess the distance learning program, perhaps just by making it optional for the students and teachers, meaning that's the only difference. Just keep sending all the same stuff, but say, if you can do this, great. And if not, don't worry. Just take care of your families so that the ones for whom it provides comfort, structure, and stimulation could still enjoy those benefits because there are families that are enjoying it. But for the ones for the ones for whom it compounds an already incredibly difficult situation, this could alleviate some of the extra distress and overwhelm. Thank you for always being attuned to the needs of our families and community, fervently praying for an end to this pandemic and the ability to resume the blessings of our regular life and learning. Respectfully and gratefully, and then your names.
1: And so the tone right you hear the Sheva. Mm-hmm. first of all you uh, one thing another thing is a writer a phenomenal writer and it just comes it comes to her like um a, i don't know like like we think about a sentence we want to say she just thinks about how we can s- express ourselves so well and this is exactly what so many people wanted to say but they didn't know how to so she just said you know what? let me write a letter and you can all send it out and adjust it completely to you what you want to say and thank you Ali Sheva. that was so perfectly perfectly. Like you express the gratitude,
0: the appreciation, the empathy, the understanding that like, hey, we get it. You schools are, are really turning yourselves into a pretzel to try to serve us you know, and, and the way in which it's not working is no one's specific fault. There's no malice, there's no laziness or hostility. It's just right. the situation is so, you know, unpredictable and atypical. And right. and I also attached um, a little like a poem that I had written on this topic. Um, it, and people and it's on the blog. So if anybody wants to just adapt the, the, the text from that blog, and then send like a variation of it, and then add whatever is relevant to your family, please feel free. I specifically wrote it for that purpose. Like there's no copyright here, just enjoy right. use it, Use it to to start conversations with your school. The the poem goes like this. What if we covered a little less math and instead teach kids what really counts? Less social studies and more social skills. Less biology, more health and wellness. Less chemistry and more communication. Less physics and more physical activity. Less literature, more loving kindness. Less political science and more personal growth. Less civics and government, more social responsibility. Less computing and more compassion. Less language and more laughter. Less studying for tests and more resilience for life tests. Less competition and more collaboration. Less information and more inspiration. Less cramming and more creativity. Less pressure and more pleasure. Less about grades and more about giving. This is an opportunity for
1: families to learn what actually matters. Oh, I have tears. Oh my God, at least Wait, why did I not see this one?
0: It's on my blog. If you go on if you go on com, that particular article that has the sample letter and that little poem is called Distance Learning During the Coronavirus Crisis. It was written on March 23rd. Uh, March
1: 23rd. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yes,
0: another one that I would, sure, thanks. And the, uh, another one that I want to highlight, because I think this will also help families sort of like organize their focus and priority. And I created, like, yeah, yeah, I, I created a top 10 list of priorities for families right now.
1: Number one, from most important to least is medical. One second. Medical. It's, well, I just want to ask you, is this as an sure. educator, as a mother, or as a therapist? As parents. O- all of well, them Well, together. okay. So
0: I'm speaking as I have all the hats. So Right. You know, and because I can write, you know, like I, I do well with the words. But but I'm speaking, the, the beauty of having an integrated approach as a homeschooling parent is that I can utilize my knowledge as an educator, as a mental health professional, and as a mom, and as a person of faith. You know, I pray a lot about this stuff because, I, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know everything, no matter how educated mm-hmm. we are. So I I don't pretend to know everything or have all the answers on figuring this out just like everyone else, but I have a little bit more background than your average parent. So um, you'll hear, it's it's pretty universal what I'm about to read you, okay? So priority number one, the medical safety of your family and everyone else, the community and the general public, right? That's number one, right? We just have to keep people as safe as possible and follow whatever guidelines we can try to follow. Um, Number two, basic necessities, food, toiletries, hygiene, household supplies. For many people, that's not a given, right? We have to take care of... Our families needs get what they need and mm-hmm. also make sure that the people that we have the opportunity to provide for are also being taken care of, much more important. Number three, psychological safety of the family and anyone else for whom we're responsible. Right? People are panicking. People are having anxiety attacks. People who never had mental health issues are developing mental health issues because this is a crisis. Mm -hmm. Number four, the emotional well-being of the family. This is a subtle difference. Psychological well-being and emotional are a little bit different. People use them interchangeably, but people could be okay psychologically from a clinical perspective, but also be struggling emotionally. So the kid who's not developing anxiety or depression, but is feeling like a little bored, a little understimulated, a little missing their friends or whatever. We want to attend to that and make sure that they have creative and social substitute outlets so that they don't get to the point of psychological uh, distress. The next number five is functionality, the func- the way the family runs and functions, systems that work for each family and family member, not imposed or dictated by external organizations or institutions, but to sit down with, you know, two if there are two parents, two, two adults in the home and the family and say, okay, guys, this is a new situation. What do we need? What can we do? Brainstorm. I have a whole article on family meetings, creating mm-hmm. family meetings for people to ha- be heard and share ideas and brainstorm. Next one, number six, is making money, right? This is this is important. People need to, like, figure out how we're going to work, right? Because if mm-hmm. people are used to a, a, even a single-income family, certainly double-income families, this we have to regroup around this reality. That's also a priority. Number seven is creative and contributive outlets, right? It's not all about just things that have to get done. Once that gets done, it would be so nice to be able to enjoy the music, the art, the physical activity, um, volunteerism when possible, helping out in ways that we can, right? Number eight is social connections, keeping up with family and friends through video calling and regular calling so that we maintain those important relationships, also so critical. Um, Number nine, educational stimulation according to individual needs and interests. So I don't mean academic responsibilities. I mean, just keeping your brain sharp, reading, um, Mm -hmm. learning, asking questions. Um, doing things that are educational rather than just mm-hmm. like sort of brain junk. And number 10 is entertainment and recreation. Have fun, play games, watch things mm-hmm. just for the fun of it. You know what I didn't put on that list? Homework assignments, Zoom calls that are pretending to be classrooms, because that's not a priority right now. Not even a little. If the kids enjoy it, amazing. Go, get the teacher a mug, you know?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> or send <laughs> them pizza for their children. The so educators, nice. or the educators, yeah. I, I spoke They're to struggling my... struggling too. Yeah, yeah. They, they have yeah. children. They have to attend yes. to them. How They're are juggling they ent- terribly. Yes. They, I feel so bad for them that they I have do to
0: too. do all this. Yes. Yes. And, and by the way, I've counseled friends and colleagues and clients who are teachers. And I told them, I, sampled, I, I created a letter for them to write to their employers mm-hmm. saying, listen, you know, we want to be team players. We want to help out. We want to do our best we can. But this is not the job I signed up for. Exactly.
1: You know? The words I told one of the teachers this morning. I said, yes. you signed up to come to class they have babysitters see, in their houses right. and Send their children to other or to, schools. And- or to see 20 smiley faces in front of them, not through a pop-up, keep on changing screen and babies in the background screaming from, from the families. This is not it's what you signed impossible. up. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. This is not real schooling and it's not
0: homeschooling. It's neither. I'm calling it like school homing, you know, <laughs> right. when the schools right. are be the, the homes are being taken over by like a you know, an ad hoc, you know, crisis version mm-hmm. of school, and again, not to blame the educators; they are trying their best. But just because someone's trying your be- their best doesn't give th- them the right to like destroy your family's like peace right. of mind. Right, right, right? absolutely. They could, be, they could be trying their best and mean so well, but if it's bringing a bulldozer into your house and you know wreaking havoc on your family's you know functioning or or mental well being, um, then it needs to be put to the side. So, I, I, what I, the first thing that I recommend to parents is strategize with your partner. Sit down with your your spouse and say, okay, what is working and what is not? If your child is old enough to be part of the conversation, bring the child in. Take a pen Mm -hmm. and paper. And I have another article on family meetings. Children, it's so therapeutic for kids to just feel heard, to watch their children Look into their eyes, take notes, ask questions. Even if no solutions are in place, kids behave better when they feel understood. And so, if, if that kid is throwing a tantrum, saying, "I don't want to go on the Zoom call. It's stupid. It's boring. I don't understand it." Whatever, they might be a little bit more patient with the process if they feel like mom and dad really get that this is hard. Um, and right. and you know, if it's in their best interest, it might not even be in their best interest to keep going with it. Right. Right, um, right. One thing we've been asking a lot of schools to do instead of doing the Zoom calls where they have to be at a certain place at a certain time, ask the teacher to just record a video at his or own her own convenience, let them do it at a time that works for them. And then send the video for the kids to watch at the parents convenience. Why do we have to like drive everyone nuts to be at a certain place at a certain time? Right. Right. So, you know, and again, none of these is perfect, uh, you know, but just thinking a little bit out of the box, you know, I think a lot of this, so collaborating with your own family first to figure out what's working and what's not and what we need. One thing that I love as a piece of relationship advice is uh, this is not my uh, own idea. I got it from another therapist called turn your complaints into requests. So instead of complaining and feeling frustrated and negative, say, you know what, what do I, yes, want to happen instead? Not, okay, mm-hmm. I hate this. It's like, I would prefer that. And then focus on what we can actually do to create that change. Right. So, you know, and, and that's a wonderful way to approach, you know, any relationship. Anything. I wanted yes. to
1: say that's what they teach you in any relationship. In DBT, that's like, yes, exactly. Yes, that's, yes, I actually yes. know it as a couples therapist. <laughs> right, exactly. But, well, if someone went <clears throat> to couples therapy, they know that. And I could I, I could say that. Uh, I was smiling sorry. because I said that, that's yes. one of the things they teach you. Don't turn it into complaint. Gen- turn it into suggestion. What say you what might you need. So, Express your yeah, yes, right. exactly. So first figure out with your
0: spouse and your children, what are our needs? Then once you have clarity on what's working and what's not, figure out what you want to try to implement differently. If it's something that you can do within your own home system, great. If it's something that you're going to need collaboration and cooperation on the part of the school or, or friends or family, whatever, then try to reach out to the people that can do that. Right. If the school, plenty of schools are happy to collaborate and cooperate and hear parental input. And, and, and when that happens, it's magnificent. Right. If the schools are not able to do that, if it's too big, if they're too overwhelmed, if there are not enough families that feel the same, whatever reason they can't, they can't, you know, play ball with you, then what you need to do is make a difficult decision and sort of say, listen, again, we love and appreciate the fact that you're trying to serve us, but it's not serving us right now right mm-hmm. and so you can either say like i did this once to a school i said listen um my son is is uh, enjoying the uh the judaic studies part of the program the uh, the secular studies part is not working for us and so he is only we're going to be homeschooling him for secular and the school said well we don't do that you can't you can't pull out for half a day and i said okay well then we're pulling him out for the whole program and they're like oh actually no he could
1: stay for the <laughs> Is that, did that really happen <laughs> it, it did yes oh wow and you weren't um, joking you weren't you weren't oh no i, I wasn't like yeah. no i meant yeah that. you weren't blo- and yeah. they knew it and i have
0: to give yeah. the school credit not only that they they actually um uh, adjusted the tuition we didn't even ask they they adjusted wow. the tuition they didn't wow. try i give them credit yes yeah. um so uh you know so i i think being having the confidence and the clarity, and the peace of mind, and the respect to advocate for your child in an unwavering way, and say, "Listen, thank you for what you're offering, but it's not the right product for my child." You know, thanks for that lunch, but we're allergic; we can't have it. You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that lunch, but we're allergic. That is so <laughs> perfect. Oh my gosh, we get panic attack when we're when we're uh, like, right. We break out of hives, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so being that. able to first
0: develop the clarity within your own family as to what is working, what isn't, what do we think that we need, and we may need to adjust course as we go along. Right. Um. Right. You know. And the same way, if your kid has a flu, you write a you note know, to the teacher saying, "My kid has a flu; he's not going to be able to do his book report." Right. Um. Here you're saying, "My kid has a pandemic; he's not going to be able to do his Zoom call." <laughs> right. Right. You
1: know, or, <clears throat> or the homework or the assignment
0: or whatever. whatever yes, whatever the p- fill in the blank right, to what's not working. Right, right. Hopefully, the teacher and or the, in- the administrators will be you know collaborative. If they won't or they can't for whatever reason, then it's our jobs as the parents to say, you know what, I need to protect my child from dysfunction. So mm-hmm. if, when there's when there's dysfunction in the big wide world, then I need to like regroup. And that was part of our homeschooling process is figuring out like in the big picture of what's being offered there versus what we can offer here. This was a better package, so we opted for the better package. We made a logical choice. Um, and and what I've also been recommending to people is that you know I I can't, I can't speak on behalf of schools, but if I'm in a, a sincere a school administrator with a good heart and with integrity. And a parent comes to me and says, this is not working for me. I'm going to be legally homeschooling my child for the next two months. And God willing, come September, I hope everything will be okay. And we, we will take responsibility to catch up anything that they missed. I can't imagine any school would penalize a parent for doing that. But
1: can you do that?
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. You can. You but can it's, not same, it's not the same schedule, is it? Well, of the California. beauty of homeschooling is you, you, you make the schedule however you want. So if you say to your, like, let's say you said to your daughter's school, right? You said, my my child is not, this isn't working for us, right? It's now the end of April. So I'm going to submit a letter of intent to my district saying, we, the Jacobs, intend to homeschool our child, whatever. That's the legality. It's not that hard. Mm. Um, and you tell the school, you are no longer responsible for my child's education for the next two months, right? Mm. And then you do whatever education you want to do with this child. If she wants to just do piano lessons for the next two months, then she can do piano lessons for the next two months, you know, like...
1: It, and in, is it like homeschooling no, works? No,
0: no. I, I was joking. That's not really real. But <laughs> in, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, we give you a hard time for it. You know, because everyone understands, including the boards of education, you know, this is such extenuating circumstances. And you know what? So this thing, if your child, if God forbid somebody's child was in a, is in a psych ward, nobody's getting mad at them because they didn't finish the math curriculum. They right, just want to keep right. that kid's head above water. You know, we have to, again, prioritize. So you do as best you can with, with some form of homeschooling, which could, which could be, you know, using some workbooks, using some online, uh, you know, Khan Academy type of stuff. There's so many free fantastic resources that you can utilize in a minimalist way, honestly, mm-hmm. I'd, let's say a kid had surgery, right? A kid who missed the last two months of school, a reasonably mm-hmm. intelligent ki- you know, right. student, mi- missed the last two months of school for medical reasons. When they come back in September, you know, I'm not talking about high school, I'm talking about up to middle school, right? Mm-hmm. Up to like sixth or seventh grade, they probably wouldn't miss a beat. You know, they could probably restart in September and not have to do a whole lot of catch up in the summer because there's right. so much repetition and cyclical learning mm-hmm. um, that happens that, that to miss a couple of months and just do it your own way in a minimal way or in a way that's just you know, more enjoyable to get through this pandemic, if that's what you need. Meaning I'm not saying you should use this as a free pass to just not do any learning at all or not to utilize the school resources, but to sort of say, we're going to view this as optional. And to sort of say to the school, listen, this isn't working for us right now. We're going to try the best we can, but we're viewing it as optional. We're calling ourselves homeschoolers. You're not responsible for my child's performance on the ELA at the end of the year, which I don't even think anybody's giving. And then come September, if they are behind, I promise to take responsibility for any catch-up tutoring that they almost definitely won't need. You really believe that they will not need? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, again, a student who has been up to par for the most part until that point. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. they would need it. until Even in school. high school? even no, in high I said until, until about middle oh, 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 okay, no. school. In high school, actually, at least in New York, they've done a brilliant thing. They got rid of the regent exams. They got right. rid of them. Right. They understand that it is completely unrealistic. These last two and a half months of the academic calendar are usually spent cramming. They're usually right. spent doing all the review, all the last minute right. difficulties, all the ironing out nobody's able to do that now. And so right. they recognize that and they're being realistic. And they're saying that, you know, um, the, the last two units of chemistry are not more important than everybody's mental health, you know? Right. And so they're re-standardizing the educational expectations for most of, at least in New York, because New York is a, it's a huge crisis center for, right. I know you're, right. your listener, your audience is everywhere, right. but you know, you and I both are from New York and um and, and a lot of, the, but the truth is, even though New York is a big crisis center, I think that the shutdown is affecting the whole
1: country. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We might yeah. have more emails that are coming in about deaths and yeah. uh, needs. We know people. Health. We know right, actually right, people right. who are ill and done. So yeah. our emotional crisis is on a higher level, but everybody's absolutely. on the same physical shutdown. Functional yeah. not yeah. Thinking 10 times a day, like, is it a good time to go to the store now? Will I wait outside for an hour and a half? Do I, do I really need to go out? All the, everybody's doing, dealing I with have, COVID. I have a mild to moderate cough right now. I'm fairly
0: certain. I get it every spring, every spring. <laughs> I haven't set foot in any public place for two weeks. Cause like I don't want to scare people. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if it's Corona or not. Right. Right. <laughs> but, uh, we said it's important. a sin
1: now. Like when, when did you think that uh, having allergies would be a sin in public now? Like you're really scared to clear your throat. You, in public. Yes. Like it's a
0: hazard to society. Yes. Yeah. And we have to play by those rules. We have no choice. Right.
1: right. Yes. Right. yes. So, exactly.
0: So people have a lot more um, leeway and, and authority and options than they think. Because, you know, if you're not someone who ever, I know you've dabbled in the concept of homeschooling, but I don't think you've actually researched the logistics of what needs to be done, right? No, like, no I, so, I don't know about
1: it.
0: Like yeah. if, if tomorrow you needed to homeschool your child, the amount of paperwork you would have to do is so minimal. You know, maybe I need to do a blog post about that just to let people know, like if, if their version of schooling is not working, here's what you can do to instantly become an official homeschooler and then just do whatever the heck your child needs, whatever your right. family needs. Right. If what your okay. child needs is to sit and watch the magic school bus episodes and chalk it up to calling it science <laughs> and language for the next couple of months, I promise they will still get into whatever college they were going to go to. <laughs>
1: right. So, <laughs> I, so I have a few a few very important questions as you were talking, I'm like, uh, I, 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 uh, I know that many schools wanted you as a principal because you're a great leader, you're a great educator, you're a great person. You're, you're also the mental health that, uh, that understands children, humanity, like society. So if you would be a principal now, what would you do in your school? Such a
0: good question. I actually once wrote up a prospectus at such time that I was actually thinking of, of uh, being a principal of a startup school. So I had like, it's like maybe 10 pages long of ideas, but obviously that all goes out the window in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, it's hard to know am I, am I running an elementary school, a high school you know how many students are there in the schools you know I, I, I don't it's so I haven't even given that any thought because my model of education is so customized and tailored designed at this point for my own children and what they're up to and their learning styles that I've become you know that I've learned about over the years but one thing that i I really feel very grateful and I love to share this with people about uh, our homeschooling journey is at the beginning, I was, you know, of course, new and a little nervous and insecure. And I didn't know if we would want to, I want to leave ourselves the options to restream our kids back into the, in the regular school system if they wanted to. And in fact, one or two of them did, you know, go back and forth a little bit before they settled on homeschool. So um, I, I stuck very rigidly to a schedule and a curriculum and making sure that they were, so to speak, on par with the standardized, even though it's very, very limited standardized, but, you know, with with, you know, making sure that they were always above grade level you know, at least at or above grade level. As they got older and they learned to learn and think and enjoy and create more abstractly, and I became more confident as... And I keep saying I, even though my husband is is an equal partner in our home, because I'm the one who runs the schooling, (laughs) trust me. And I became more confident in the fact that I was raising these like decent, moral, lovely, socially capable human beings who were bright and creative and had their own areas of interest. It became less important to me to make sure to cross every T and dot, every I as far mm-hmm. as like covering units that I know everybody forgets. You know, mm-hmm. so I once had a principal a school principal say to me, like, Oh, do you give your kids a lot of tests? And I said, No, I almost never give tests. And he's like, Well, how do you know what they're gonna remember? I said, How do you know what your students are gonna remember? You just have them <laughs> like vomit it back onto a test to quantify right. it the day before they right. start forgetting it. But right. I'm like, I asked exactly. him, so I'm like you're a smart guy. How many of the finals that are given at the end of your school year do you think you could do well on? Right, exactly. <laughs> right? There's so much minutiae that we ask right. kids to memorize for no real reason, right? Just right, to keep them right, busy, right? right? Rather, I would let them, you know, my children have had the opportunity to do so much more in terms of travel and the arts and, and physical activity. I have a daughter that gets to take ballet three times a week. I have a daughter that was a two-time Fridona Tanakh national finalist. That's the bi- international Bible contest. Um, you know, they, they've, they've super specialized in areas of interest, um, you know, whether it's, uh, intellectual interests or artistic or or kinesthetic um, that, that matter to them. So we do keep up a basic modicum of the minimal standards. It's a little more than the minimal standards of what of other children their age are learning. But you have so much more flexibility and time and opportunity to uh, pursue interests and endeavors that the children are actually motivated to do. So when you mentioned before, like, oh, well, your kids, you're lucky that your kids, like, you know, they like to learn. Like, it's true. I am lucky that my kids like to learn. I also have feel good that we created an environment where learning is enjoyable rather than oppressive. Right. But right. I also like, not all of my kids always loved reading. You know, I have one kid who only recently discovered, um, the joy of, of reading for fun. She always did her reading. That was, that was uh, necessary, but she's much more of a movement oriented kid and much more of an auditory and visual learner than, than a reader. Um, now she just found some fiction that got her excited and she's like, like it opened up a whole new world. But, but here's the thing. I actually stopped doing vocabulary lessons with my children. You know why? Because I'm a reasonably eloquent person. I talk to my children. That's how they pick up vocabulary. And the SAT words that they would, they were going to learn from vocabulary books. A, most of the people don't remember them anyway. Right mm-hmm. and B, actually, those SAT words are what made me lose friends in high school because I was some obnoxious sixteen-year-old using words that nobody understood <laughs> anyway. They were the walking <laughs> so, thesaurus They literally used to call me that, and it actually it becomes a, it becomes like socially compromising. It's a point of diminishing returns. So when I have to write an academic paper and you know sound right. pretentious and bombastic, I can know how to pull out all those polysyllabic <laughs> terms. But in real life, you don't need to talk like that. You don't even need to write like that. You just need right. to be able being emotionally intelligent and socially expressive and self-aware. Um, it's so much more valuable than, you know, like I said in that poem, than most of what they're going to learn in school. And so, you know, I can go on and on about this, but I know that you're on the same page because you're a very spiritual person and very, you know, the. and, and as much as I love and value um, intellectual pursuits and education, I think that the psychological and the spiritual and the interpersonal is so much more important, so you'll get it you know they'll get the bio and the chem and the physics and the and the geometry and the algebra and the trig We'll do a certain amount of that because you know we have to just like be culturally literate you know like launch mm-hmm. people into the world they should be able to go to college, my, my daughter who was 16, graduated high school and started college at 16. They can do this. You don't have to right, do work that right. hard to be able to do these things. Um, but, I, but I love knowing that we can create so much so much time and space um, and energy for them to really pursue things that are so much more important in the grand scheme of things.
1: That's why I loved your poem because it, it really explained it so beautifully, what's really important. Thank you. And in life, what you wrote in the poem is really what's important. Really, what we really need to show up in life, and and um, and educate our children about these things, and 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 learning how to get through a crisis is a huge. Part of education of that teaching stuff happens of, in life, right? I mean, the, who, who goes through life without any challenge? No one, right? A hundred percent, and 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 the and also the one the list of priorities and 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 our jobs should be our priorities, and it doesn't mean that we we don't care about school. Of it means not. that we just know what what is important for now, and hopefully this is going to end soon, and hopefully we'll all go back to normal, and then we'll reassess things. But we have to know what comes before what, and and I I, I saw. So so appreciate that you put it into because we're, we're we're with scrambled eggs in our mind now. What should we do first? What should we do first? And we're so overwhelmed. And and some some parents that really value education are freaking out. Are my kids they're scrambling? Fall, they're, are our kids going to fall behind? Are we going to be able? Are they going to be able to go to high school? I have a
0: blog post called "Don't Worry About Your Kids Falling Behind." <laughs> oh, really? Yes. I'm going to give, I'm going to send you all the links because I think that you and your, your audience who was asking these questions, uh, like, it's interesting. I used to write about one or two blog posts a month and I like writing, but you know, everything's about a balance. Once this, this crisis hit, I've been putting out like two or three a week because I, because I just have so much to say on this. And I see people are starving for, for encouragement and guidance and, and help because it's so new. And so right. this, don't worry about your kids falling behind. Post, I don't want to read out the whole thing because you can just right. like, put it on your. But right. but that's the gist of it. The gist of it right. is. People overestimate how much is really covered in school in a way that can't be made up easily. Um, Especially on
1: Zoom, they're not falling behind.
0: They're not. Yeah, exactly. What's going on (laughs) on Zoom is not education. This is not real schooling. I mean, it's better than nothing for some people, but it's worse than nothing for others. I made a list. I gave a talk this morning and I made a list of like, you know, the find your why, Simon Sinek type of thing. You know, it's everybody talks about like why. we. So if you look at like the purpose of education, right? Very little of it has to do with downloading um, bites of trivia into children. It's a much bigger picture. What we want to give our children is values, moral decency, character, right? A vision, how to think critically and ask questions, how they want to show up in life, right? Cultural literacy, just to have like a basic knowledge, to be able to have conversations, right? Talk about politics with your kids, the way you talk about it with your friends, and then they'll know politics. They don't need more than that, right? Or if you don't talk about politics, then don't. I don't know anything about sports. I don't feel like an uneducated person. It just happens not to be an area of interest in mine right? Pragmatics and marketability. Okay. So, so the consumer math and basic nutrition and basic reading skills, they're, they all have that by sixth or seventh grade. Anyway, they're not going to miss it out on it just because of this couple of months, right? Creativity, the pleasure of discovering the world, the ability to participate and contribute to the world and productivity, learning how to use time and mind space, right? Mm-hmm. Social skills, life skills, emotional regulation, health, mental health. These are the values that really matter. And these are the things that we don't need to do research in order to give over to our kids because as well-adjusted, thought out adults, we know this stuff. We can just share it with them as we go along. This is why as a homeschooler, I don't do a whole lot of preparation because I'm not looking to say to my kids, you're a blank slate and I'm a wealth of knowledge. Let me teach you things. I'm looking to say, hey, we're just humans traveling this, this earth together. Let's learn together. You know, let me teach them how to learn. Let me teach them how to fish so they can learn how to garner their own information, right? I want to, I want them to be lifelong learners. So let's, let's give them the skills to self-educate. And very often what they learn, you know, in school and out of school is not because somebody like spat it into their face, but because someone gave them the book, the website, the tools, the understanding of how to go about extracting information from the rich big wide world in front of them. So it's a lot easier than than people think
1: it is. I want to touch upon educators that are forced now to, um, in a way, abandon their needs of their families to show up for our families. And I, I yeah. my heart bleeds for them because they're yeah. told that this is what they have to do. They have to keep their job. No one wants to lose their job in a very sure. uncertain time. They sure. have to follow rules, and they're in a way they also have children that I need to be on to both I I'm fortunate enough that I can reschedule my hours of you reading. have flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. But when someone is telling a teacher, show up at eight thirty or nine o'clock or nine thirty and their child, their five year old, six year old, seven year old, ten year old is needs It's impossible. It, yeah. Yeah. So what do, what do how can we comfort them? Like I feel okay. like everybody so, is really drowning in the unknown and trying so hard and getting nowhere we're all giving 200 and getting and going back 500 of my mental health i know that in my mental health just in the last two days I yeah. And thank God Ari sees it and he knows how hard I He knows how to, to catch you he, when you're falling. And yeah. he knows to say, okay, you don't do this. I'll do it. I'll take over. But not everybody is aware like that. And not everybody knows that they're struggling with mental health to be aware.
0: Right. Okay. So you're asking a lot of different things. Let's start with the teachers. I went with the teachers. I, I'm going yes. to the okay. teachers. What are we so going to tell the teachers them? has to be dealt with on a case-by-case basis. So I would imagine and I would hope that the people, the, the educators and the administrators who are running schools are human. And that if a teacher comes along and says, listen, I understand what you're asking me to do and why you're asking me to do it, but it's not going to work for me, then they can either figure out a way to help that teacher get childcare, get extra help, or adjust the schedule that's going to make it better for the teacher. If not, then you're dealing with anyone else in a situation that, that has an employer that's being unreasonable. And then they have a difficult choice to make of either, you know, like what I have to do, you know, do I want to play hardball or do I want to walk away or, you know. Um, and, and that's the case, you know, when I was a teacher, one of the, re- one of the reasons I left teaching was I didn't like the feeling of, of having an institution to answer to and feeling like at the mercy of like every negotiation, well, do I want to risk losing my job if I can't go on this, you know, uh weekend program retreat with them? Or if I, you know, parent teacher conferences is the same night as a wedding, I really need to be at, or, you know, so it, it, there, there are always going to be conflicts. This is a particularly difficult conflict. I would imagine that, Any decent human being running a school would figure out some kind of creative solution for teachers who are coming to them respectfully and collaboratively. Um, And if not, then, you know, then I I don't really have like a pat answer for them, you know, then they have to make a tough choice. You know, do I want to just say, well, I'm sorry if you fire me or fire me? Or do they want to just say, you know what, I'm going to have to neglect my children a little bit so I can keep my job, which a lot of people are doing, you know, and and children are pretty resilient, you know, other than like really egregious cases of abuse or neglect. If you ignore your kids a little bit while you're working, they're they're usually going to be okay as long as they're safe. Um, You know, there are no simple solutions, you know, but I think like with any relationship where we're talking about marriage or parenting, friends and employers and coworkers, you know, communication is key. You know, if you can clearly and collaboratively and, and in a, in a respectful way, come along and say, here's the problem. Here's my proposed solution. Here's my request. Here's what I need. Then a reasonable person will come back to you with, okay, let's work on this. Let's figure out something together. Right. Right? Right. Um, and, and an unreasonable person or an unworkable situation, then you have a tough choice to make, you know? So I, I think, you know, I, I wish there was like a clear formula, but, as of now, I don't know of one. I want to just,
1: add, right. Okay. I just want to um, add to that, that just as a parent and as a, somebody that was a daughter of an educator, um, yeah. I want to just ask my audience to don't let your frustration out on the teachers. The teachers are sure. trying above and beyond. They're working more hours now than ever. They have to write a new a new schedule, they need to write new material to give over Zoom because whatever they're giving technology, the process, yeah. yeah, they have to give emails, long emails and preparation and sheets and all that. It's not, not a their fault. Yeah. Please thank Don't them and give them gratitude me. for what they're yeah. trying and go to the, people above them and ask what Alisha said, ask, don't blame because it's new for everyone. So just like, I needed to say that because I, I have such a warm, you empathize. I, yes. I, I really empathize as a parent, yeah. as a teacher, like they're trying their best. Yes.
0: Yes. I do too. And you know, it's, it's a delicate balance. You said this before we started recording, but you're so self-aware, you know, emotionally. And you were saying like, I'm vacillating between frustration and empathy when it comes to the schools mm-hmm. and the teachers and the administrators. Cause I so empathize with how how, difficult this is for them. You know, at the same time, I feel my child's pain and frustration at being- And my pain. And your own. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember once one of my kids had a teacher who was being really, really tough on the kids, a lot of yelling, a lot of blaming, a lot of just like really unkind. And the kids were little. And um, I was talking to my friends and my friend said something like, you know, she's, she's pregnant, this teacher, she might be having a tough pregnancy. And I said, my heart goes out to her. It really does but that doesn't obligate me to tolerate, you know, abusive right. teaching methods. So if she's not up to teaching, we're going to have to figure out something else. Maybe she needs an assistant in the room. Maybe she needs to take a leave of absence. Maybe I need to just switch my kids out of the class. But, you know, you can have a good, I can be not judging the teacher that's struggling and also protects my child from the pathology of what's going on in the situation. You know, and that I think is, uh, you know, the horizon of healthy, uh, you know, parent-teacher right. relationship.
1: Um, or any relationship. any relationship, any, any abusive or non okay relationship. Right. It should right. be even even uh,
0: not as far as abusive. If it's just not functioning well, if it's not working well, to be able to say, you know, I appreciate you, I value what you're doing, I am not judging you. At the same time, it's my job as a parent right. to advocate and problem solve on behalf of my ch- my child or my family, and let's figure this out together. If we can figure it out together, beautiful. And if we can't, then I'll figure it out myself.
1: No hard feelings. What do you think the parent body wants more? the education, like that give us more or give us less? What do you think is, because I believe that the administration is listening to the parent body.
0: I think a lot of them are. That, that's, I think, another reason why I feel so bad for them that I don't think they're getting a clear consensus. You know, I'm hearing both. I'm hearing right. parents who say they live for that a couple of hours a day that the right. kids finally get set up on that Zoom call right. and are occupied. And then I have other parents who are like, I wish they would just get rid of the Zoom calls altogether. Right. So I, you know, I, I haven't done a survey and I'm not like very involved the way administrators are. And I'm not hearing that kind of feedback. And I also feel like I'm more likely to hear from people who are dissatisfied than from people who are doing well with it. Because, yeah. you know, <laughs> makes, right. yeah, and I'm a therapist. Nobody calls me. The right. They just want to right. let you know, everything's going great. You know, <laughs> I
1: mean, right. they sometimes
0: right. do actually, but it's only right. after they've come to after. deal with the problem. Right. That's the nature right. of everything. Right. right? So, you know, so I, I would imagine that there are a nice number of people who appreciate it, which is why I think my original suggestion of work with the teachers, say whoever can, you know, produce and create content and, and do these Zoom calls and whatever, amazing, wonderful, please continue doing them. And then collaborate with parents and say, whichever families are capable of enjoying this content that we're creating, please do go ahead, enjoy them, keep up with it. We're sending extra, we're sending worksheets, enrichment, and, and just let it happen along a sliding scale. Whoever can produce should produce. And if you can't, then we understand. Whoever can uh, participate should do so. And if you can't, then we understand. Like just sort of like a, a flexible spectrum of participation, both on the part of parents and families, I think would be ideal. You know, just right. let people do, in, in every case, let people do as best as they can and trust them that they are because this is hard times. And we don't right. know, you know, there's no way to enforce whether
1: people are cutting corners or not. Just like in real life, you never really know if people are cutting corners or not. I want to share something that happened yesterday, and it was such a wake-up call for me. So mm-hmm. yesterday was the second day of homeschooling. Before Passover, I told my kids there only the older ones are allowed to attend, allowed. It wasn't even enough. You are allowed to attend if you can figure it out alone. You are not allowed to ask me how to because I am not going to help you. Not I'm yeah. I'm off the grid until after Passover. I needed to stay healthy. I was too busy. busy. Yeah, I was, I was. sick with Corona. I was. I was busy healing. I was. Sick, yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. I, I was busy keeping everybody afloat and just my Glad mental okay. health. And yeah. Yeah. So I told them until after Passover, we're not speaking about homeschool. Javi is in high school. She's really pressured. They're giving her a lot of pressure on, you must show up. There's attendance. You have to be in uniform. You have to give in your assignment. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, even though no regions do last year's regions, all kinds of silly things. And she was feeling the pressure. And she's like, I have to do well. I said, Javi, whatever will be, will be and we'll, we'll deal with it later. Your pressure now is not gonna take you far in life. It's not, well, you'll do your best. You're a great student, you can try your best. But that's not what I wanted to tell you. So we were second second day into um, homeschooling and Kate, six year old, has a meltdown. I hate it, I'm not going on. And I was shocked, I thought she was. She calls her, her friends on the phone on a real phone, not on a cell phone, to talk to them. She doesn't see them. She just talks to them. I thought this will be like- She's so auditory, it could work. Yeah, Yeah. I thought she would love it. She hated it. She said, it's a noisy, I can't hear, it's slow. She's like, it's boring, it's boring, it's not fun. She had a meltdown. So my, so I said, okay, so don't do it. I said, don't do it. She took our thing. Khalil was painting. He paints in the afternoon. She started painting. She fell. And then comes the next session, like two o'clock and Ari, my husband's like, oh, it's time. And she's like, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. I said, let her go. He's like, and he said, and I'm not shaming him. I'm really not shaming him. But I think that this is what a lot of people are thinking. And that's why I'm bringing it up. He said, well, I'm paying for tuition. I want her to go to school. Yeah. And I said, no, Ari, this is not, uh, this I, is not school. Yeah. This, I said, first of all, just because you're paying for it doesn't mean that, that doesn't you're mean getting a child. <laughs> <laughs> and I reminded him and I yeah. reminded him that when my kids were little, I went to Disneyland and he refused to come with me. I went with my closest friend to Disneyland with Nahalil and Javi. I think Javi was two or three and Nachalil was six or seven. And it was my first time to Disneyland or Disney World—I don't remember the one in Florida, whichever it is. Um, is—and I was like, "I'll stay with the baby at home." I, he's like, "Disney World is not a fun place for children. I am not going." I said, "I know what you're talking about. It's the funnest place in the world. This is what they market. Fine, I, I go hate to Disney, Disney. World. <laughs> I hate it. All right, it's okay. We got it. It's a first experience. We're waking up my now. My friend lived in Disney since she's zero. She goes every year. That's her thing. Fine. So she knew the whole tricks and games and." Uh we go to Disney with and she tells me we have to go, we have early admission because we bought the three day pass and we were going to see the twelve o'clock in the afternoon parade. And she's like, And I have VIP tickets, so <laughs> <help>. <laughs> Yes. And I remember Nachal. This is the first day. Nachalil is like, Mommy, I'm going home. I said, What me, you are going home? I said, I'm going home. I'm going back to the hotel. I said, Nahaleel. We're right about to start this amazing parade. We came here early to get this amazing. He's like, I'm leaving. And if you don't come with me, I'm going alone. Go no, he was five or six, young. He's not going uh, alone, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like and he was determined. He's like, I'm leaving. I said, You're in Disneyland. Don't you want to And he's like and he had a meltdown and I had to leave. And I called Ari and I said, Ari, what am I gonna do? I spent a thousand dollars on tickets. I'm taking him back tomorrow. He's like, No. You tortured your child, you tortured him enough for five hours in the morning. You don't, just because you paid doesn't mean you have to continue the torture. And I reminded him, I said, it's like Disneyland. Just because we paid for tuition doesn't mean that that we have to torture them. If don't, don't throw wonder. good time after bad money. Yes. And yes. I, and I really believe that a lot of people are struggling. Why I'm bringing this up is because I really believe that a lot of people, especially in the private schools, feel sure. we pay yes. a lot of tuition for many things. Want kids. to grab every crumb. <laughs> yeah. So what do we tell the parents yeah. like Ari okay. that don't so, have the Disney story to tell yeah. or that yeah. are not yeah. they're not reasonable and fast like Ari adjusts very fast to He's a very service. adaptive person yeah. I know. He, yeah, yes, yeah. so yes, no, he's special so, that way. Right, look, okay. So this is
0: something that's coming up a lot. I think it almost like deserves its own talk because it's so complex. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, the reason that we chose to homeschool had absolutely nothing to do with finances, but we love (laughs) the relief from not paying tuition. And we, and we've been able to travel the world because of it. We couldn't have afforded to do both. Uh, But, but I think that with, this is very delicate. You know, these schools are incredibly um, expensive, but nobody's really, to my knowledge, is getting rich from, from the tuitions. You know, this money goes somewhere, it goes to pay the teachers who are not, you know, they're not paid amazingly, you know they're they're making a basic salary. Um, it goes to pay the the building mortgage, even though we're not benefiting from these buildings, they still have to get taken care of, right? And so there are expenses that the schools have, even though. Uh, right now, people are not getting the full benefits that if they want their school to still be in place and the teachers to not be, you know, dying of starvation by September, then they still need to sort of maintain. So look, they're nonprofits. It could be, and I don't know the legalities of this, but it could be that what you could do is arrange with the school and say, listen, can we at least make this a tax deductible donation? Because we're not really receiving the kind of service that we signed up for for this couple of months. And then, you know, at least, you know, make a little bit of money back on it. What some families do, which they do anyway, is they call up the school and they say, times are tough, can we we negotiate a lower tuition fee? And that's always an option in yeshivas, in in, in religious school systems, at least in our communities. Um, And the schools are very open and receptive to having that conversation most of the time. And if you can afford to, but it's just a matter of principle, then what you could chalk it up to is, I know we did that once. One of my kids went to camp. She was miserable there and, and the camp was mishandling the situation. It wasn't egregious, but they could have helped her more and they didn't. Finally, we ended up having her come home and it was so painful because it was this expensive summer camp. She actually made a, a friend that was worth a few thousand dollars to have that friend in her life. You know, mm-hmm. it really it's said it's so worth it. we- We joke about it, that it was worth paying the money just to have a friend like that in your life. But the way, the way I said, the way I said it to my husband also, and again, we're not looking to waste money, but the way I look at it is like, you know, we sign up for different experiences in our children's lives. Some of them are a bargain. Sometimes you take your kids to a free activity or museum and you look back and you're like, wow, the value we got from that was phenomenal. I would have paid thousands of dollars to have that exposure, to have that, you know, person in their life or whatever. And then there are times that we shell out money thinking we're going to get a certain value. And it ends up being like in retrospect, not really worthwhile. But that's life, you know, like I spend $100 on a dress, sometimes I wear it to death, and I would have it was worth its weight in gold. And sometimes it's like, I never really end up wearing it. But I, I didn't know I thought I was going to make use of it, right? It's kind of like that here, if you can afford to what I would sort of say is like, it's a nonprofit, it's supporting teachers, it's providing education for the next generation, look at it as a donation, you know, it's not a donation that you were excited to make. But if you can afford to, you know, not lose sleep over the fact that you lost that money, you were going to pay that money for the fact that kids are being educated. they're not not being educated because somebody jipped you, you know, they're not being educated because of a world crisis. So, you know, if you can't afford to then, or if you feel very strongly about it, then go to the school and negotiate, you know, a reduced reduction in salary or a slow payout, whatever. But I, again, it feels like everything comes back to communication, you know, to take an internal reckoning, say, what do I feel? What do I need? What do I need to request when I have clarity within myself and my partner, I go and I speak to the school and I say, okay, this is where we're holding. This is what we're feeling. This is what we need from you.
1: Right. right? I love that answer. I love that answer. Really? Like you saw me smiling the whole time because it was, you smile weird. a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really, beautiful. I was like, it it, was, it gave me such um how do you say? Yeshuvadat? Uh, serenity? I don't know. Is Resolution maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Clarity, <laughs> maybe
1: clarity, Sorry. clarity of mind. Yeah. Like I really, it was, uh, and I feel like a lot of people are thinking the same way. Like, and uh, like this my, is not my, what I was paying for. Yeah. And especially my two-year-old, I feel like I, I chose an expensive school because I needed Specifically because you wanted it. Because he's yeah. two and I needed very it good babysitting while I am going out to work. Now yeah. I have to babysit or hire a babysitter and what now? And that I don't might be different. them. That I might don't fault them. I don't yeah, fault yeah. them. But I, it's really a crisis. Like, what do I yeah. do? Do I double dip and, and do I pay double for my, my child? And it's frustrating. And like, we don't know what the right thing. And my, I think like what's going on is that we have morals and we're like very, um, um we're, we're faced hard into, um, on the spot, understanding what, what's our core value. What's the right thing to do here? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's not always
0: clear cut. Yeah. You want to get something so nice. I have a housekeeper that comes for a few hours a day and helps me with housework. And, um, she told me at a certain point before, you know, everything got really bad, but when it was very, it was totally fine that she said that she's like, I don't feel like I should be coming now. And I said, I completely understand. I spoke to my husband and I said, and we're prepared to pay you for the time that you're not here because I know you rely on this income and it's not your fault that you can't work here. So wait, she she messaged me back. This woman who relies on you know like minimum wage kind of work. She takes me back. She says, "I don't feel right taking money if I'm not coming to work." Wow! How special is that? And we've yeah. had this conversation before, like when I've traveled or when she hasn't been feeling well. I mean, what a special person that! Like you wow. know, she's not a wealthy woman, you know. And right. and usually we work out something in between. I generally pay her if we're away or if I tell her I don't need her to come. Wow. Um, but I, you know, and I gave her a little extra before on the last day when she was here. And if you know, hopefully, wow. if or when she comes back, right. I'll give her a little right. more. But, um, but it was, it was such a wonderful conversation because each one of us was thinking, like, I want to do right by the other. It's a trust-based relationship. We both value each other and, uh, and we'll meet somewhere in the middle. And it would be nice if, you know, the schools and parents have that kind of like symbiotic respect to sort of say, listen, you know, we understand you still need, you still have expenses that are, that need to get taken care of. You know, I'm not, you know, we're not going to leave you high and dry. And if, if, if schools could reach out to families. And say, you know, we understand if times are tough and you can't necessarily meet the tuition contract that you thought you could meet in September, we're open to negotiations, you know, to conversations. Right.
1: right. Yeah. Simon Sinek was on a live talk the other day. I don't even remember where it was, but I, I tried to really gravitate to everything he talked. He's so nice about. to listen to, yeah. 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 And he was saying it's easy to be a leader when everything is working out well. Oh yes. And it's really hard to step into the uncomfortable part of leadership when things are falling apart and you really have to make tough decisions. And he said, the number one thing you have to do is listen to the people in your tribe. That's a leader. Listen. And that's what you were saying before. Listen, ask, communicate. And I think the big um, takeaway from our conversation is communicate with your kids, communicate with your spouse, communicate with the teachers, communicate with with the administration, Communicate with yourself, yourself, yes, yes. yourself, to you. ask yourself questions, go into silence and say, what's working for me? What's meditate. not working? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and Journal, really, meditate,
0: write it and, up. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it's okay to not follow the tribe that, that seems to be working okay for them. And it's, and if you're falling un, uh, under this pressure, it's, it's not okay. just you. It's so many yeah. people that are feeling the same way. Yeah. And when I, I posted that question yesterday, so many words were, I fail, I fail, I fail, I fail. I said, listen, guys, we are not failing at anything. We are trying our best. Please take failure out of our vocabulary now. We're not failing. I'm trying to remember
0: who said this quote, but I love it. It said, I never fail. I either win or I learn something, right? Is it Brene Brown? No. I, wanted, I thought it was Thomas Edison, but I'm
1: not, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I, I remember hearing, I, yeah, I you can look it up. You can Google it. Um, but that, but like the fact that people are lo- leaving uh, a full day of trying so hard and thinking that they're failures is showing that the leadership is failing. You know what? I'm going to wrap up now. I'm going to wrap up now because Elisheva gave us so much content and so much clarity and so much reassuring that we're going to be okay. Education will be okay. Our kids will be okay as long as we give them their emotional support, their space, their time, their kindness. Teach them kindness. Teach them empathy. Teach them how to listen to themselves. Teach them how to be empathetic to somebody else. That's true education. And the rest will pick up after this pandemic. I want to thank Alicia Eva. Thank you so much for your knowledge, for your education, for your clarity, for your peace of mind you gave me and others um, for the many smiles that I was smiling through this podcast. And I'm going to put all the links to her to her beautiful blog on the show notes. I really can't thank you enough, Elisheva, for helping us through this. And my last question for Elisheva is, Maybe do you think that a lot of people will start homeschooling after this? And they will realize that maybe homeschooling is the answer. I told Ari before Passover that I'm wondering if um, in like 20 years, people will say, well, when we were in school, we did X, Y, and Z, but then there was this COVID-19 that came and um, schools fell apart and we started um, homeschooling. And that's how the um, system education collapsed. And I was just wondering about that. Yes, I absolutely
0: do think that we're going to see an uptick and increase in the number of families that begin homeschooling, it happens to be the case that there have been more and more families joining the ranks of homeschooling families over the last number of years. Last I checked, there were about 2 million homeschooled kids throughout the United States, and the number was growing every year for a lot of different reasons, mostly ideological, I think. But now that we're seeing so many families getting a taste of this type of educating that they just really wouldn't, it wasn't even on their radar. It wasn't something that they were ever considering. It wasn't something they ever thought that would be an option for their family. Maybe they didn't think they were up to the task. Maybe they didn't think their kids would really benefit from it. But um, obviously there are a lot of families that are struggling and we're not minimizing that. We talked about that. But at the same time, I I know for a fact that there are families who are like, wow, I never realized how great this could be because I'm getting the phone calls and the emails and the questions about it. So, you know, ultimately every set of parents needs to do what they feel is going to be the best fit for their family. But sometimes we don't know all our options until we've had an opportunity to try them. So uh, yeah, so I, I hope hope that this really is just open doors for the family, families for whom this could be helpful. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, you also had asked me to mention other programs that we have. So I have a course, a digital course called Sacred Not Secret, A Religious Family's Guide to Healthy Holy Sexuality Education. That is not only part of my homeschool curriculum, but it's something that I think should be part of everybody's curriculum at home, whether they homeschool or not. I think that uh, we really do need to do a better job for the next generation, teaching them about their bodies and relationships and helping prepare them for uh, healthier adult sexual relationships. So uh, that, that course is available on my website. Um, it's called Sacred Not Secret. I'm also opening a support group, a, a virtual support group for this last month or so of uh, for moms during the coronavirus quarantine time. And uh, it's going to be a low cost virtual support group just to help moms who might be somewhat overwhelmed with these responsibilities. And they can send me an email, speak to someone at gmail.com to hear more about the support group. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thank you for joining me. I really hope this was helpful useful. Remember, breathe, take care of yourself, take care of your children, see what they need, ask them what they need. Be grateful to the system that is trying. Everybody is trying. This is not, there's no right or wrong for everyone. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to be truthful to ourselves. We have to look inside ourselves and we have to do what works for us in order to get through this specific situation that's new to everyone, new to everybody. And don't forget to be grateful. Don't be angry, be grateful and ask for what you need don't be angry. Thank you for joining us here today. And I hope we can have another episode in a few months wrapping up everybody's thoughts on this, um, how they got through it, how homeschooling adjustment went for them. Bye till next time.